want to teach you today out of the life of a man named Moses on this topic. Meet me in the middle. Meet me in the middle. Uh, Moses, you've probably heard of, even if you're not a church person, he was in some movies, Prince of Egypt, if you're my age. Where are my Charlton Heston Moses people at, though? Come on, come on. Charlton Heston Moses. Uh, my dad loved that one, I know, you know. Ten Commandments. And uh, I want to teach you out of Moses' life, a part of his life story that I don't think you've ever heard before. I'm going to teach you a part of his life that, that represents 40 years of his life. It's kind of weird how God writes the Bible. 40 years of Moses' life get one chapter, but then the next 40 years get like three whole books of the Bible. And, and I'm really interested in that one chapter because I, I want you to know this. I believe that God does something in the middle of our lives when it's harder to feel him and it's harder to experience him in the quiet place and the frustrating place that God's up to something. Let me show you our text for this morning. If you've got your Bible, you can read it with me. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Moses fled from Pharaoh and he stayed in the land of Midian where he sat down by a well. I want to teach you this morning about Midian. Midian, you're like, awesome, what, what's Midian? It doesn't mean anything to me. My marriage is struggling, my kids are crazy, my business is hurting, that's why I came to church. What does Midian have to do with all that? Well, let me show you, Midian represents this. Midian represents the messy middle of our life stories. Let me show it to you on a, on a map, okay? This is, this is Midian. I'm gonna illustrate this for you. I'm not great with maps, but I know this. This is the part of this map that I wanna be from. Right, the green and the blue means life. It means fertile. It means you can plant crops here and you can water them here. This part of the map, I don't want anything to do with. You'll notice how in this part of the map, you'll notice how in this part of the map, man, it did this to me again. It's okay. Don't look at this. Don't look at this. Don't look at this. All right, here we go. This part of the map. This part of the map. It's barren for a reason. There's no cities in here for a reason. This is modern day Saudi Arabia right here. The desert of Saudi Arabia. And I want you to see this. Moses was born here, grew up here, but then he had to run away and live 40 years here. That's Midian, okay? Again, Midian represents the messy middle of our life story. So God brought me to church today just to speak to some people who might be in the messy middle right now. So people who are trying to figure it out, like you're faith-filled, you believe in God, but you're looking at the part of your journey that you're in right now or that you've been in and that you still haven't been able to make sense of, and you're trying to figure out, like, why did God lead me there? I liked it there. I'm not liking it here. God, what am I doing here? So I want to teach you about this today. And just to illustrate this, you know, we all go through a messy middle in our lives called puberty, don't we? I mean, we all go, we all go through this. I used to be a middle school pastor, and all my kids that I was a middle school pastor to are all grown up now. So I see their Instagram, and they're like married, they got kids, they're all put together, and I'm like, I remember. I got some pictures that you forgot about, but I remember. I remember what you're like in middle school. I thought it might be fun to show you some of our pastors in middle school, okay? So uh, they don't know that I'm doing this, and uh, I have to share an office with them, so I don't know how it's going to go this week, but uh, let me show you Pastor Truett out at Wiley Campus. Hey! Look at that young killer right there, man. He, 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 was too, he was too put together for this image to really work, but that's what makes the picture so funny. That brother is working it right there. Working the camp. Y'all not ready? Y'all, y'all ready for Pastor Benjamin Thomas out at Prosper? We love you, Prosper. Yeah, y'all ready for this one? Our worship pastor here at Church 1132, one of our Prosper campus pastors. Pastor Benjamin, bang! Bring him back, Pastor Ben. You can work him. They're kind of coming back, actually. Shannon wears some glasses like these now. You can, they're coming back. I can't make fun of my friends without showing you me. This is my senior year in high school photo. Y'all remember hair gel that like came out of like, the, like it was like super glue came out of My parents are here today. Mom, how did you let me walk out of the house like this? Why, how'd you, how'd you let me do this to myself? I'm like, let me put some wings right here. I'm gonna, <laughs> would you believe looking at that that I didn't go on a date with a girl until I was 19 years old? 
It's a true story. My wife was my first kiss and my first date. People are always like, Pastor, that's so beautiful, so godly. I'm like, it wasn't because I wasn't trying. <laughs> it was just never reciprocated. Uh, thank God for my wife and thank God for his nose that led me to his yes with Kaylee. and She's going to be here next service. Uh, been married 11 years this summer, man. But I want to teach you this about Midian. The reason I have, oh, oh, I got one more. I almost forgot Pastor. We can't get out of here without Pastor. He's very put together. He likes fashion and fitness. Praise God, because we have to look at him every week. So thank you, Pastor, for your love of fashion. Could have been into like Cheetos and cargo shorts, but he's, he's into it. But, but it wasn't always like that. Here's football time. Look at this man. He's the starting running back for Centralia High School. And uh, I've never seen a bigger pad to person ratio. <laughs> It's a lot of pads, little person, little person. He filled it out well. We love our pastor. Hey, uh, look, look, here's why I got you laughing, because this is the truth. No one plans to end up in Midian. And I had to get you laughing because we're about to go in. And, and God's about to meet you, but he's going to meet you in a very specific place. He's going to meet you at the place of your pain. Because no one plans to end up in Midian. You know how you know you're in Midian when you, when you have this thought cross your head? When you go, I'm not where I thought I would be. I gave the devil a couple years of my life when I turned 30, and I looked around, and I wasn't where I thought I would be. I'm going to tell you that at the end of the message. And this thought became all-consuming, and it robbed me of joy. It robbed me of purpose, robbed me of health and my family because I just couldn't get out of this thought. I'm not where I thought I would be. That's the thought that consumes you when you feel like you're walking through a Midian season. And I, I just want you to know that I know it's painful. This is our second service today. We had an 8.30, and uh, at the 8.30, we did, there, there was a young woman. She got saved. She responded to the call at the end of service, and I saw her weeping, and she prayed with one of our prayer counselors, and I grabbed the prayer counselor. I said, did she meet God? She, she met God today and said, well, what was going on in her life? And she just said, she, she, she's going through so much pain. And it was such a reminder to me that as I give you my points that I'm about to give you, that, that you're walking through pain. I wrote this message for some people in pain today. And if you're not in pain right now, you're going to be in pain eventually. So I'm trying to get you ready for it. I'm either trying to get you ready for what's coming, or I'm trying to help you right now in the middle. Are you ready to hear the word of God, church? I'm so excited to teach it. Would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you just pray with me? Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for church today. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, as we head into Midian together, as we head into the messy middle together, as we head into those parts of our lives that we brought to church with us that we're ashamed of, we're frustrated by, we don't know what to do with, I pray that in this service you would do something supernatural, something supernatural to meet us right there. You're so good at this, God. It's what you do. You're so good at meeting people, not in the places that they want to meet you, but where they're scared of meeting you. And you're so good at just showing up in those places. Do that right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to teach you just a couple points this morning, and, and I'm thinking about this question, where's your Midian? And, and what is God trying to do with your Midian? Like, where is it, and what's God trying to do there? I want you to write this down if you're a note taker. God builds your character in Midian. Really, write it down. I, 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 love, I love this saying, if you want to live a noteworthy life, be a person who takes notes. Right? We believe in taking notes at Church 1132. I can tell you that because I took a note on a podcast I listened to this week where the speaker said that. I took a note. I said, I'm going to say that on Sunday. All right? I mean, I want you to write this down. If it encourages you, you can share it on Instagram. You can, you can put it out there. I think, I think this is going to speak to some people. God builds your character in Midian. God builds your character in Midian. I want to show this to you in the life of Moses. And as I show this to you, I just want to, I want to tell you this, that, that some of you are in church today, and you're so convinced that God can't use you because you're unqualified in some way. God knows about the abortion. He could never use me. God knows I wasn't pure in the way that I knew I should have been. He could never use me. 
God knows about all these doubts that I have and that I'm in church, but, but, but I'm, I'm almost faking it because I'm not really sure what it's all about. He can never use me. I want you to know this. When you read the word of God, when you read the Bible, I recommend it. It's really good. It's better than this on Sunday if you just, just get into this book during the week. When you read this book, it is full of story after story after story of men and women, not who were qualified, but who were unqualified. I, I want you to understand this, that, that the only qualification you need to be used by God is to be available. That's it. It's just, just, God, I'm available. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, was the cry of the prophet. God, I'm available. Would you use me? I'm just grateful to be part of a church. So many, I'm an evangelist. I love telling people about Jesus. And so many churches I've invited people to, and, and, and it's like my friends don't want to come because they feel like they won't fit in. Because I know their lifestyle. That's why I'm inviting them to church because I'm like, I think you could use some hope and some healing, but they don't feel like they could fit. When did it happen that the place that hurting people need the most became the place that they feel least welcomed? Thank God it's not like that in our house. I'm grateful that we're part of a church. It's not a country club for good people. It's a hospital for sick ones. If you brought your brokenness today, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. God builds your character in Midian. Let me show it to you in the life of Moses, okay? Exodus chapter 2, 11 through 12. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens. I want you to pay attention to this. I wish I could teach you more about Moses. Can't do his whole story today for time, but his people, their burdens. Moses grew up very confused. He was a son of Egypt and a son of Israel. Second generation immigrants, you, you get this. My friends that are second generation immigrants, I hear them talk about this. It's like, well, I'm American, but I'm also Indian. I'm American, but I'm also Chinese. It, it was like that for Moses. It was like that for him. He was a son of Egypt. He was raised in Egypt. He was raised in Pharaoh's house, but he was an Israelite. He wasn't a native Egyptian, and so he struggled with that. And not only was that true, it's also true that all the other little boys who were born when he was born were brutally murdered by Pharaoh. We're not teaching your kids that in Sunday school today. Don't worry. We're leaving that... <laughs> But I, that must have been quite the counseling session for Moses. He's going, I don't know if Randy's ready for that one. I, I mean, I, Randy might have trouble with that one. But Moses, he's, just, he's a confused young man. He's a hurting young man. He's an angry young man, as you're about to see. He doesn't understand his identity. Some of you are like this in church. You're still trying to figure out who you are. Who am I? Am I my childhood faith that I grew up with? Oh, I don't know if, I, if, I'm, if I'm with that anymore, but I've wandered away. And now, like, who am I? Who am I? Identity questions. Look what happened. Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. His people, his people. His adopted people, his born people. And the Hebrew was one of his people. So he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Moses murders. I want you to see this. This is going to speak to you right now. Just, just the word of God. Moses starts his life out as an outlaw. By the end of his life, he becomes the greatest lawgiver and judge in the history of the nation of Israel. I want you to see this. The dude... The, what, what, Thank you, God. Watch this. The same guy that kills a guy is the guy who brings down the commandment of God from the mountaintop that says, thou shalt not kill. Stop disqualifying yourself. I, mean, I want you to see this. It's the same guy. Killed a guy, comes and tells people you shouldn't kill. I'm just telling you, God wants to take your mess and make it a message. He wants to take you right where you are, but he's got to do something to you to get you there. There's a process that you've got to pass through. And that process is actually a place for Moses. It's a place called Midian. So he struck down the Egyptian. He hit him in the sand. It was the worst crime in the history of crimes. He was found out 24 hours later. I love murder television. I feel guilty about that. Murder podcasts are like my favorite podcasts. Like there's a brutal crime and now we got to figure out who did it. I'm like, God, do I need to repent? I don't know. I don't know. But I just, I can't stop listening. This is, this is a horrible crime. 
It took 24 hours for it to be solved. This would be the most boring episode of CSI. Literally the next day, Moses gets reported. Like the next day, the body is found and Moses is reported. And then here's what happens. Moses runs away. He flees to a place called Midian where, remember, he sits down by a well. Okay? That's where we're going to pick up the story. Moses is now sat down by the well in the place called Midian. One more moment. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and they drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flocks. The shepherds came and drove them away. Watch this. Moses is now in Midian. His, his life has changed. His place has changed. But Moses stood up and saved them. Moses stood up and saved them, and he watered their flock. I want you to watch this. Listen to the word of God. Receive the word of God here. I, I was thinking even this, this just... The Lord spoke this to me just this morning in my car. One in my notes, just I was reading this, worshiping. And I thought, man, isn't it incredible that Moses, even though he just made the greatest mistake of his life, even though he just tried to stand up for someone and it went really, really bad and it cost him everything, isn't it incredible that by the grace of God, Moses chooses to stand up again? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning and say, Grant, I'm going to use you today to help some people stand back up again. I'm going to use you today to talk to some people that felt like they missed it, that felt like they lost it, that felt like there's no way God could continue to use me or speak to me, and you're just going to choose to stand up. It takes one choice to change everything. It takes one moment in the presence of God, one encounter with the living God to shift your entire story. Moses stands up, and there's progress here. You see the progress? First time Moses tried to do justice, he killed a guy. Next time, doesn't kill anybody. That's progress. That's good. Good job, Brother Moses. All right? Killed a guy, didn't kill a guy. I mean, it's amazing. what's going on? I, I want you to write this down, okay? This is what's going on. It's Midian. Midian, the middle, the messy middle is doing its work. Write this down. Midian fills the gap between who you are and who God created you to be. If I wanted to go old school, preaching on you, I would tell you we're teaching about sanctification right here, Okay? That's a big religious word that means becoming more like Jesus. So two words you should know. I'm a theologian. I want to help you with these. Justification. That's what happens when you're saved. You're made right with God. It happens in a moment. It can happen to you today, wherever you're at. You're going to get an opportunity today by the end of this service to get right with God. Justification happens in a moment. Sanctification is becoming more like God. So you're made right with God in a moment, but it takes a lifetime to become more like God. And I want you to see this. This is what people miss. It's usually the places where you feel like God is working the least that he's actually working the most. And it's the places where you're the most frustrated and you're the most bitter and you're the most lost and you feel so confused that it's those places where God is actually making you into who he created you to be. I want to show you what it looks like. Author Ruth Haley Barton has a beautiful book on the life of Moses called um, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, if you want to read it. It's a powerful, powerful book that inspired a lot of this message. She says this, Moses remained in a solitary, non-public existence for a long time. Wow. This is Midian. This is your messy middle. It's as if in some deep and fundamental way he just let go. He let go of his dreams of fixing anything, helping anyone, or even living among his people. Instead, he received what was given. I want you to know, like, that's not very postable. Just for our 21st century audience here, that's, that, that doesn't end up on the gram. It's hard to figure out, well, how do I tell people that I'm walking through a long season of solitary time where I'm, I'm in a way I'm giving up and I'm surrendering? It's just, it, 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 I want you to know this about this season of your life when you walk through it. It's going to feel like the most empty season. It's going to feel like the most bitter season. It's, it's going to feel like 
You're going to have the most trouble in this season hearing from God. But if you'll stay attentive, God is going to speak more than he ever has because it's as you let go that God can begin to bless you. I wanted, to see, I wanted you to see that, that God builds your character in Midian. i got to keep moving. I want to show you this. Just two points today. I want you to write this down now, that God doesn't just build your character in Midian, but God develops your calling in Midian. What is a calling? It's one of these religious words that we use in church. Sometimes we don't always explain what it is. So just, just if you've heard this in church before, you're like, what is my calling? You know, like, what, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? Calling is not what you do for work. It's what you believe God put you on earth to do. And I, I love this quote from a, a theologian. He said that your calling is where your deep, the world's deep burden and your deep gladness intersect. The world's deep burden and your deep gladness. Like, wh- where are those things that the world needs? I'm looking at Jet right now. He's a musician. And, and, and you can find his stuff on Spotify. That was free, bro, okay? And, uh, and I, I just love seeing Jet pursue his calling in music right now. That he's a Christian, but he's a musician, and, and he's living out his calling. Uh, here's, how, here's the best way I know how to put it. Your calling, okay, your calling moves you from being a consumer to a contributor in the kingdom of God. I just want you to know, if you're in church right now and you already know Jesus, we don't have room in the church for consumers anymore. We just, honestly, a lot of them left during COVID. God bless them. But like, if you're back right now, you're probably someone who says, I don't want to just come to church to hang out. I want to come to church to be used by God. I want to come to church not just to, not just to receive, but to give something. Not just to sit back and consume, but to contribute. And that's a calling. That's what God wants to speak to you. God has it for you. Before you were ever born, the Bible says you are his masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, put it on your mirror, stare at it every day. It says in the New Living Translation, it says, for you are God's masterpiece. Come on. You struggle with identity issues, you struggle with self-image issues, put it on your mirror. Stare, you are God's masterpiece. And it says, before you were ever born, he set aside good works for you to do. That's your calling. Young man, you're God's masterpiece. I see you nod. God's got a plan for your life. Before you were ever born, he had a calling on your life. He had set aside some things for you to do that only you can do. It's the power of a calling. But how do you receive it? I think I got you now. I think you're hooked now. You're like, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. How do you get it? Let me surprise you a little bit. Because how you get it is, is I think, going to be pretty surprising to you. Because you don't actually get a calling in the place that you think you get a calling. You don't get a calling on the mountaintop usually. You get a calling in the desert. That's where Moses' calling came. I wish God called me when I was feeling good. But usually when I'm feeling good, isn't it true? It's actually usually when I'm feeling good that sometimes I'm the least attuned to God because I'm kind of feeling myself. Don't judge me. Judge, it happened to the Israelites too. <laughs> Moses said, one rule when you go into the promised land, don't forget God. Because he knew when we get blessed, when we become prosperous, it's easy to forget God. So I want you to see where Mo- God called Moses. You want, you want to receive a calling today? This sounds like something you want in your life today. I need to know my purpose. How do you receive it, okay? Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, for 40 years. This struck me. I'm just going to speak to somebody that's discouraged, specifically in their career. Moses spent 40, he had 40 years in the desert to build something. He didn't even build his own business. He was just keeping his father-in-law's sheep. You see, I mean, I was like blown away reading this. I was like, not only was he in the desert 40 years, he didn't even build like Moses' shepherding company. <laughs> he just worked for his father-in-law. And the Bible doesn't tell me how he was doing emotionally. I think if I spent most of my career working for my father-in-law, not building something myself, I, I think I'd wonder, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? Moses was keeping the lock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. He's about to receive his calling. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, I'm going to circle some words here. You need to make sure that you understand. Watch this. I want you to pay attention to how many times you see the word see and look here. It's going to be very important. He looked. Okay, Moses looked. There's the first time. And behold, the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. I want to teach you just for a moment about the power of spiritual sight. About the, when the Bible repeats, I'm going to give you a little Bible study tip. I spent tens of thousands of dollars to learn this stuff. It is yours for free today, okay? <laughs> when the Bible repeats itself, pay attention. They really teach you this when you study the Word of God in theology. Like, pay attention to the, the sentence structure in the Bible. Like, every word of it counts, okay? Um, and, and so, this, this is a strange sentence. Four different times it uses the word see, which means one of two things. Either God is a bad writer, and he's a bad author. If you want to tell him that, go for it. Or, he inspired the book. Or, God is trying to get our attention and teach us something about how we receive a calling and how it's related to sight. Okay, and I want you to see this. When God gives Moses a calling is when? It's when he saw that Moses had turned aside to see. There are two miracles that take place that day in the desert. The first is that God lights the bush on fire and it's not consumed. The second miracle is that Moses, after 40 years of wandering, after 40 years of wondering, after 40 years of being stuck in Midian, still has the spiritual curiosity to turn aside and see what God is doing. I'm so grateful for our pastor. He teaches us this. Our staff in our church, the power of spiritual curiosity. I mean, just the power of saying, what if God? What, what if God could heal that person right now? I was speaking to someone at Frisco campus this week. I haven't even told you this pastor. is so powerful. I ran into him yesterday when I was out, and I, and I asked him, I said, how's your mother-in-law? She was dying. Like, like not, not like, like dying really, really bad. And he said, pastor, it's kind of crazy. I was like, okay. He said, you know, I, I've never prayed for healing for anyone. Chad Turner, Frisco campus, I love you, brother. He said, I've never prayed for healing for anyone. But I felt like God was telling me to pray for her. And I laid hands and I prayed for her. And God brought her out. I said, well, what are you talking about? Like, she's still like, she's not as sick. She's kind of sick. He said, no, 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 pastor. She's not sick anymore. The doctor, the doctor, like the doctor said, we don't know what happened here. We don't know how to explain this, but she's okay. She was on death's door. This family was driving back and forth from Jonesboro, Arkansas to Frisco, Texas for weeks at a time just so they wouldn't miss it if she passed away. And God healed her because my brother Chad got a little bit curious. What if I pray for her? I want you to see this in the desert. The devil's working overtime when you're in the desert. He's working overtime in the desert to convince you that you have been deserted in the desert. His greatest desire in the desert is to convince you that you've been deserted. But I want you to know this this morning. Even when you're walking through the desert, God has not deserted you. He has not left you alone. The Bible promises us that's not true. And in Midian, in the middle, you will either gain your vision or lose it. This is what's at stake in the next eight minutes, church. When you are in the middle, when you are in Midian, you're either going to gain your vision at a greater level than you've ever had it before. We're praying right now, even prophetically, that's going to happen to you this morning. Or you're going to allow the devil to just take your vision. And you're going to die missing out on the purpose of God and the call of God, not because he wasn't trying to work, but because you didn't have eyes to see it. And the devil convinced you that you've been deserted in the desert. So I want to take these last few minutes now and uh, shift a little bit out of teaching. I've been teaching you, teaching. When, when, when the pastor teaches, they have points usually. And the points a lot of times rhyme or have like the same letters in them. Okay, we work hard on this stuff. <laughs> I want to help you remember it. I'm giving away some trade secrets, pastor. I'm giving away some trade secrets here. I was convicted as I wrote this message, though, that you really don't need points for your pain. Points will help you. I'm really proud of my points. You should share them, okay? I'm proud of my points. I think they're going to help you. But, but I just thought I can't end this service without really connecting to you at the place of your deepest pain. 
and it's going to require the supernatural to do this. I've been praying all day. It happened in our first service. I believe it's going to happen again that the living God, it's not about me. It's about the live God using me to allow you to meet the living God in your Midian right now, in your middle right now. So to do that, I want to share some of my own story with you because God forbid that I would ever come before you as a preacher and give you some ideas. Just give you some cool ideas. I'm teaching you today my life story right now. I'm teaching you where I've been for the last few years, walking through Midian. My wife Kaylee and I, uh, we, we started a church in Frisco. We moved out here five years ago this fall to start our church. And we gave up everything we had to start it. I mean, it's like it, it was, we, we sold our house. We gave that money. We made a lot of money on it. We sold our house, gave that money away. Uh, we emptied out our savings account. We gave that money away. We raised, I think it was almost $300,000 we raised to start the church. We didn't keep that to replenish our salary. Actually, I didn't take a salary for the first six months of the church. Even though we needed it, I chose not to take it. I just wanted to build. I mean, we, I'm, just, I'm, I'm focusing on the finance because it's just, I want you to see we were all in on this. <laughs> Every man and woman in the house, like, it, it, you know what it means when you put your money behind it. It's, it's like, I'm all in on this, God. And we started our church. It was beautiful. We saw God do some incredible things. People got saved. We had, we had hundreds and hundreds of families come through the doors of Cobb Middle School in Frisco and have an encounter with the living God. But uh, we had 26 people baptized. It was beautiful. Thank you to everybody that was a part of our story at Rise. We, we still love you guys. And, um, but, but, but a couple of years in, the church was significantly smaller than it was a few months in. I don't know if you've ever started a business before. It's not the way you want the chart to look. I tried to manipulate the numbers because you can do that with numbers. You know, I was like, maybe if I look at it with a percentage instead of a raw number, I'll be less discouraged. But the percentage was bad. The raw number was bad. I put it in a graph. The graph looked bad. And for about a year, year and a half, I was consumed. It was right around the time I turned 30. Something happens at 30 and 40. Nobody told me about that, but it did. And I turned 30, and I was consumed by this thought that I gave you at the beginning. I'm not where I thought I would be. It's not where I thought I would be, God. My finances are a disaster. Got debt for the first time ever in my life. I thought you told me to start a church, God. You told me to start a church. Debt isn't good. Now I'm in debt because I started a church. My marriage was in the worst spot it had ever been after, after 10 years. We, we had some, some fights and some nights where I really wasn't sure what it was going to look like if we were going to make it out. My mental health was the worst it had ever been. Began struggling with depression, anxiety. All these things were pretty new to me. I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a faith-filled guy. But I really gave the devil a couple years to just take me out and undermine me because I kept listening to that voice that said, I'm not where I thought I would be. I'm not where I thought I would be. And I remember the night that it really bottomed out. Uh, I was sitting like this on uh, the puke green Lazy Boy couch in my living room. Y'all have a couch like this? It's 10 years old. It's made every move with us. I can't get rid of it. It doesn't work anymore. It's like, Kaylee, my wife, did want me to tell you it has a slip cover on it, okay? She's the thing she cares about in my message. I preached the whole message to her. I'm like, did you feel the power of God on that? She's like, make sure they know there's a slip cover on the couch. <laughs> what about the power of God? Was it there? But I remember that night, just sitting down on the couch, and um, we'd, we'd been fighting, and I was frustrated, and... And I remember looking her in the eyes and just asking the question and, and saying word for word, I remember I looked at her and I said, I just wonder if you and the boys, got two boys, five and two, I said, I wonder if you and the boys would be happier if I just wasn't here anymore. There's a young woman at first service was sitting right over there and she pounded her chest when I said that because some of you are carrying that right now. The spirit of suicide, spirit of depression, spirit of anxiety. I just, I just, Holy Spirit, would you move in this moment? I just, I just want to show you with these last few minutes what God can do. 
Not when you're feeling yourself, but when you're completely empty before him. And you're caught up, because I, I don't know if you can tell, but, but I'm on this stage today. And I was applying for law school at the time. I was ready to be done being a pastor. I was ready to completely throw away my calling. I remember my dad's here, I called my dad. I said, I think I'm gonna be a lawyer. What do you think? He said, horrible idea. <laughs> God bless the lawyers, but it was like, he just knew. He's like, son, not, what, do you, what do you, but I was ready to throw it away. My calling, maybe my life, my family. And I want you to know right now, if you're in Midian, if you're in the messy middle, I'm just ready to deliver some hope to you. I want you to know that I serve a God who specializes in meeting you in the dead place. I want you to know about this God named Jesus. If he had a business card, it would say, I raised the dead. It's what he does. It's who he is. Resurrection. It's not some, I'm not preaching a theory to you this morning. Get it out. I'm looking at you as a broken man who came before God and said, I don't know what to do. And God said, I still do. I've still got a purpose. I've still got a voice that I'm going to use to speak to you. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't quick. But God met me in Midian. For the last few years, he's been moving me out. And I understand some of you. It's like, Pastor, you don't understand. My dream's not dying. My dream is dead. My business isn't closing, it closed. My kid isn't wandering, they wandered. They haven't come back. My, my marriage isn't ending, it, it ended. You don't understand, pastor, it's dead. Would you stand to your feet as I give you one last verse from the word of God? You see, the last time that we see Moses in the Bible is not in the Old Testament, it's actually in the New Testament. I, don't want you, I can't wait to show you this. You say, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. There's no way, I thought this gift was dead. I thought I would never hold a microphone and be on a stage and preach. I thought it was gone. I thought it was dead. If you're feeling like that this morning, you got a part of your life that you're just convinced it's dead. God can't touch it. Moses died. And he actually died disappointed. If you know this part of his story, he did not get to go into the promised land. And it's kind of a plot twist. Like, God, why would you do that? He was so faithful. But God says, you're not going to go into the promised land. And Moses dies disappointed. His dream that he had of going into the promised land, he doesn't get to see I want you to see the goodness of God. I want you to see the faithfulness of God because 1,300 years later, some of you have been in Midian two weeks and you're tapping out. 1,300 years later, God taps Moses on the shoulder in heaven and he says, hey, I, I got something I want to show you. Matthew chapter 17. And Jesus was transfigured before the disciples. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. I want to speak to every dead thing in the house this morning. I want to speak to every dead dream and every dead relationship. And I want you to know that God is not bound by your timeline. God is not intimidated by the fact that you can't see it. He still sits. 1,200 years later, he taps Moses on the shoulder and he says, I know you thought you died disappointed. I know you thought you died outside of my promise, but there's a new covenant that I want to show you. You brought the old covenant, I got something better and you get to see it.